Welcome to the broadcast of Riverside Church in Princeton, North Carolina. Riverside Church preaching Christ and Him crucified. For more information, check out our website at www.riversidefwb.com. We've been going uh, verse by verse in the uh, verse uh, in the First Kings section of our Bible, and tonight will be no different. We'll be looking at First Kings chapter fifteen, verse number nine. Tonight I will remind you that we choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses. During the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, it reports supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of prophecy. It's divine, not human in origin. We here at the river believe in the five solas. And by now you should have memorized them because I've been doing it for about seven years. But for old times' sakes, we'll say sola scriptura as a Latin phrase that means the Bible alone. Sola fide is a Latin phrase. Again, it means faith alone. Sola Christ us is a Latin phrase that means Jesus alone. We believe in sola gracia, a Latin phrase once again that means grace and grace alone. We also believe in sole deo gloria which is Latin once again that means God receives the glory in him alone. So tonight he receives the glory of the teaching of God's word and he receives the glory when we pay attention and adhere to, to what saith the Lord to God's people tonight. And the last time we were together we spoke about Abijam which is also Abijah back in 1 Kings chapter 15. We also looked a little bit in first chron- uh, Second Chronicles and we'll do the same tonight. If you want to go ahead and put your finger in Second Chronicles chapter 14 through 16, we'll be looking over those verses here in First Kings tonight. We only get a quick overview of Asa. Asa is the son who will rise up after Jeroboam. If you remember Jeroboam is the king who was, down, who was the one who reigned over Judah. Jeroboam was the son of Solomon. That means Asa will be the grandson of Solomon. And we see in a span of about 20 years, the, 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 the morality and the spirituality of Judah has gone skyrocketed straight down into the ground. It did a nose dive down into the, the, the southern regions, the south of heaven is what we call it. And I want you to look in 1 Kings chapter 15, number, verse number 9. In the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa began to reign over Judah. We see here, and he reigned 41 years. He will have the longest reign. And in his 40-year reign, Asa will see eight kings of Israel on the throne. Those kings will be Jeroboam, Nabab, Basha, Eli, Zerah, Timba, Omar, and Ahab. He will see eight kings go by in 41 years. In verse number 10, and he reigned 41 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Maacah, the daughter of Ashalom. Now, this this woman keeps coming up in the last three chapters. We have heard about her over and over. He will actually do something unprecedented with this woman. This woman is actually his grandmother. Many people are wondering why this woman is mentioned again. His mother's name was Micah. This is the same woman that's mentioned before that she was uh, she was instituted there by Jeroboam. Rehoboam. Now. The, the, the queen mother will be what she'll be called. Now the reason his mother, because in the original text it doesn't call her his mother, but his grandmother. The reason his mother is not mentioned, I know it, it briefly is mentioned in your text the way it's written, but in a lot of people's eyes it doesn't really matter who the mama is anyway if you're king. However, she holds a, a pivotal place in her position because she influences the country. She is someone who was instituted back when Solomon was around because Solomon started off 
all this idol worship in Jerusalem. Whenever his heart was pulled away, even though he was the wisest man who ever lived and was the wisest king that Jerusalem ever saw, he also allowed a lot of idol worship within, within the confines of Jerusalem and Israel as a whole. And this is also what called, caused Jeroboam and Rehoboam to split them too. Whenever Rehoboam goes north and south and Jeroboam goes north, he institutes a whole other religion. But at this point, Asa has risen up. It's a wonder how uh, we have David, who was a godly king. Then we have Solomon, who followed God strongly in the beginning. But as he grew older, he fell away because his heart was captured by foreign women. Then we have the son of Solomon, who was captured and, and, and fell into idol worship. And then we have his son, Abijam, who fell into idol worship as well. But then we have a righteous seed to rise up in the family here. It's just like God to preserve his name and preserve his reputation by rising up the righteous in a wicked family. Praise be to God. That's mostly like when you read in the book of Romans chapter number 9. It says, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. We read that and say, well, I can't believe that God hated anybody. The truth of the matter is he should have hated Jacob. That's the part that you really should have your head spinning over, that he should have hated Jacob, but he just decided in his providence, in his own self-will, in his own decisions to love Jacob. And that's true of you, Christian. You might sit here tonight and you have much merit to your name. Maybe you got a good credit score. Maybe you come from good stock. Maybe you got a good background and a good family. Or maybe you're like me. Maybe you come from a long line of sinners. People who deserve hell. And God just decided to show mercy on you so you don't boast. Therefore, you echo what's true in the book of Ephesians. There will be no boasting. For by grace alone you have been saved. Amen. Who knew that we would see grace alone already in the reign of Asa as he reigned for 41 years. And now when we look in chapter 15, we'll see a general overview of the story of Asa. But there's some things that I'm going to take you into 2 Chronicles to show you that God's grace towards Asa. This is the general biography overview, but we're going to see some details when we get into 2 Corinthians. But I want you to look at verse number 11. And Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And as David his father had done. Here we see that Asa will reign 41 years and he did what was right in the eyes of God. When you go through 1 Kings, you don't see that a lot. In fact, you'll probably see that two or three more times out of all the kings that have come along. Asa is one of those who did like David. David being the bar that God says, this is the bar. Now we know the story of David. He killed Goliath. He actually <coughs> took the place of Saul. And now at this point, we remember because we studied the story of David in 1 and 2 Samuel, how he fell to Bathsheba and how he did a census to the people and did not trust God. However, God does not remember our failings. Amen. As far as the east is from the west, he casts our sins away from us and remembers our sins no more. Like Isaiah says in the very beginning, come, those whose sins are like scarlet, I will wash you and make you as white as snow. Isn't it good that our God does not remember our sins even though we tend to do? Amen. So we see here that David being the bar and that David his father had done it was right in the eyes of God that Asa had the intention of honoring God he was all in with his heart it was not a public display but privately he did not honor God he was completely sold out to God and how do we know this well we're going to see it in his actions just not what he says for one Asa will do something very very difficult that many people even in our modern time will not do he will choose God even over family. But 
doesn't God tell us to love our family? No, Jesus says, if you love your wife and your children more than me, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Does that mean we're supposed to hate our wives and our children? Sometimes it might be easy to do that, but that's not what he's saying here. It's hyperbole. As much as we're dedicated to our children and our wives and our spouses, we should love God all the more. And we should not use them as an excuse to sin. Ooh, are we going to do that tonight? Yes, we're going to do that tonight. I want to let you know that Asa will remove his grandmother from a position of queen, queen mother. Even though she had 20 years of influence in the place she was because Abijah passed away and she reigned there. But also Rehoboam put her in the position she was in because she put there in Jerusalem an Asheroth. And now an Asheroth is a, a phrase that's something that we might not understand what it means. But in the Hebrew, as we continue in, in 1 Kings 15, it's, a, it's an image that causes horror. It's something that's so detestable that we don't even mention it as we remember back in Ephesians that we are not even mentioned those things that are done in the dark that are so wicked. What many theologians and many scholars say that it was probably an image of a penis or a male organ that she had in a grove out by the Kidron Valley. On the east side of Jerusalem, she put a huge idol there and she started a small cult that took root there in Jerusalem and it flourished for 20 years. And she's the queen mother. Wow. As we look here, and Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And David, his father, had done. And he put away the male court prostitutes out of the land and removed all the idols that, the, that his fathers had made. In verse number 12, the court prostitutes, they were associated with this other religion that Micah had placed in. If you got a King James Version, they would call them the Sodomites, the male prostitutes. That they would go there and use their physicality and sex to be mixed with religion and worship. That's why the confines of sex is to be held in marriage. Uh, let me explain. I heard one preacher explain it this way. That fire is not wrong and it's not bad. In fact, we use it to stay warm. But a fire goes into a fireplace. If you want to start a fire in your house, please put it in the fireplace. Don't start it in your bedroom. And don't start it in the kitchen. Don't start it in the living room because it'll burn the house down. Sex is to be in the confines of a covenant marriage between one man and one woman. But any other place, it will burn you down. Amen. Amen. I figured I'd get stronger amens, but we'll still work on that. It's 2023. We're working towards it. We see here that the, the, the male prostitutes or the, the sodomites here, he put them out of Jerusalem. He started a reformation there in Jerusalem. He said in verse number 13, he also removed Micah, his mother, from being queen mother. Now, a mother was not a queen mother, but a mother. So this is his grandmother because she had an abominable thing for an Asheroth. And Asa cut down her image and burned it in the brook Kidron. This woman had such an influence there in society. Even in our society, there are some women who still have influence in our society. But there's an old Japanese striking proverb that really, that really fits here. It says, a fish begins to stink at its head. That Here we see that this woman was corrupt and not serving God. And we can see in the book of Ruth, and we also see in the book of Esther, what a godly woman can do and how it can change a whole nation. 
We see here that this woman was prominent for 20 years. That she was almost, in, in fact, she was absolutely untouchable. For Rehoboam didn't replace her. And then Jeroboam and then Ajam didn't touch her either. That she has started a, a cult prostitution religion there in Jerusalem. And it was a stench in the God's nose. But along comes a godly Asa who rises up and pulls her out of a position of considering to be untouchable. That he starts a reform there. He makes a public statement to all of the people of Judah that we will serve the Lord. He says in verse 13, the writer, we, he also removed Mecca, his mother, from being the queen mother because she had an abominable image for Asherah. And Asa cut down her image and burned it at the book Kidron. Not only did he take her from her position, he burned the image publicly. He, he told everybody, come, look, look at what we're going to do here. That it's not enough just to cut it down. That means that it was probably a pole in the ground. If you want to know uh, probably an idea of what this was probably like, it, it probably looked like the Washington, Washington Monument. Not quite that big because uh, that would be a lot of wood. But uh, he chopped it down at the level with the ground and burned it and threw the ashes in the brook of Kidron. Now the brook Kidron, if you've read your Bible, and I do hope that this year you're going through the Bible, that you started in January and you're reading every day. And if you have not started and you're interested, come see me. I can point you to a Bible plan to make sure you read the Bible and the whole year. Because reading your Bible is what makes you a Christian. And I ask you, have you been a Christian? Are you a Christian? Are you going to be a Christian? Reading your Bible is what transforms you and makes you into a Christian. You don't say, I'm a Christian, so I should read my Bible. No, the Bible is what transforms you. God's Word speaking over the dry dead bones is what makes you a Christian. Well, that being said... If you've been studying your Bible, you know in the Gospels that Jesus walked over the book Kidron that night as He goes to the garden before He was betrayed. He passes over that brook. This lets me know that Jesus reigns over every idol. He reigns over every false god. He goes and lays Himself down, not like the false gods who tell us to come and bow down at their feet and give our lives to them. Jesus, the one true God, passes over their ashes, lays Himself down to reap souls and save sinners like us. No idol has ever done that and no idol will. Jesus is the highest name by which men can be saved. No other name. He is the one mediator between man and God. The God-man, Jesus Christ. Greater is He that is in me than He does in the world. Jesus and Jesus alone. If you like to hear about Jesus, you came on the right night to the right church to hear the right preacher because I'm going to talk about Jesus quite a lot. But we see here that it, it, the ashes are thrown into the brook at Kidron. Her God wasn't that big. Her God wasn't that strong. She was burnt down to ashes and thrown into the brook. But our God was dead for three days and rose again. And He tells us, trust in Him. If your greatest fear is public speaking or being broke or having your name drove through the mud, don't worry. If he can be dead, he can handle anything else that comes your way. Our God is greater because he holds the keys of death, hell, and the grave in his hand. Serve him. Ooh, amen. But, there's always a but. It always comes at the end, don't it? But, verse 14, the high places were not taken away. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was wholly true to the Lord all his days. In verse 14, the writer is making sure that you know that he said in his heart to reform Jerusalem and to serve the one true God. But there were high places. What does that mean? That means there were unauthorized altars to the Lord. 
that there should be one altar according to Deuteronomy and Leviticus that God is to, uh, to recognize is at the place where the high priest is to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and to bring forth uh, burnt sacrifices to God. But there were other places that were outside God's ordinances. They would go there and worship. But the king Asa has done what God had put him to do. I, I, this should ring well with you, Christian, that you are placed where God puts you. And if people's going to, there's one thing I've learned in the last 20 years in ministry, people's going to do what people want to do. They're just going to do what they want to do. And I can't help it. They're going to do it. They're just going to do what they're going to do. But I am responsible for the little area that God put me in. And I'm supposed to go as hard as I can. I'm supposed to stay in my lane. In fact, I'm in my lane and I'm doing donuts. And I'm doing all I can to honor God in my lane. I can't worry about what they're doing over there or what they're saying over there. I'm doing what God has called me to do. Be faithful right where I am. See where I'm faithful? In this pulpit and in my house, raising my family, honoring God. That's where I'm called to be faithful. Where has God put you to be faithful? You be faithful where God puts you. And Asa couldn't help to those other high places that were illegal. For he had brought reform to the nation. But the people weren't ready for the reform. But all that really mattered is that Asa was faithful where God put him. Amen. You be faithful where you are. And don't use other people as an excuse to sin. Well, I come on Wednesday nights. Well, it don't seem like nobody else is, so I ain't going to go. That ain't no reason for not to go. That's a horrible reason. Be faithful because God calls you to be faithful. Tithe because God calls you to to give, give cheerfully. Nobody else is doing it. Well, if we did what everybody else did, we can go where everybody else is going. Here we see that Asa was true to the Lord all his days. In verse 15, and he brought into the house of the Lord the sacred gifts of his father and his own sacred gifts, silver and gold and vessels. I want to let you know that when Abijam or Abijah, whenever he beat the pants off his enemy in the north, that he won great bounty. He also captured a lot of the cities. So he had a lot of loot. And his father did not bring the loot into the house of the Lord. But Asa decided to dedicate the wealth that he had to the house of the Lord. Putting first things first. Priorities. That's the way it should be in every household. Your priorities are this. Love God. Other people than myself. Amen. I know you want to hear that. You want to hear that you're important, you're a snowflake, and God loves you, and if you had a refrigerator, your face would be... Nah, nah, I'm not going to waste my time with those things. For those who hold up their Bible, they say, the Bible tells me who I am. Yes, you're a wretched sinner. You need to be saved by grace. So I'm telling you tonight that your first priority is being faithful to God. Amen. So we see that Asa brings the vessels of gold and silver into the house of the Lord. He puts priority first. And there was a war between Asa and Basha, the king of Israel, all their days. Basha, the king of Israel, went up against Jerusalem and built Ramah. And he, that he might prevent no one to go into that and come into Asa, the king of Judah. Now, before we get into verse 17, I need to let you know what's going on here. At this point... It's not mentioned here in 1 Kings. We're going to turn over to 2 Corinthians to see it. But there was a great battle that will take place. And Asa called on the name of the Lord and God heard him. But now, about a decade later, here we see Basha, the new king of the north, will rise up. 
And he is starting to put a toll booth on the road that leads from the south to the north because many people were leaving the northern nation going down into Jerusalem, especially the Ephraimites. The people of the tribe of Ephraim were going to the godly cities down in the south. So they'll use that highway. So what he did, he started to build a, a city there. He built a city that was only five miles outside of Jerusalem. This city was going to be one to, to hold the, the root and keep anybody from going back and forth. For Basha, who will be the new king of the north at this point, was trying to, to stop the, 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 the refugees coming from those up in the north to the southern cities to serve the one true God. But... Uh, I'm going to pause there because there's something that's not here in 1 Kings chapter 15 that we have to see. So if you would, if you'll turn over to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 15 tonight. We're going to see in 2 Chronicles 15 the, the reformation that takes place in Jerusalem as well as Judah if you look in 2 Chronicles 15, once again, the verse number 1, The Spirit of God came upon Azara, the son of Obed, Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all the Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time. Israel was without the one true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their distress they turned to the Lord, the, the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought Him, He was found by them. And those times there was no peace to Him who went out or who came in for great disturbances afflicted all of the inhabitants of the lands. And there was broken, and they were broken in pieces. Nations were crushed. By nation and city by city, for God troubled them in every sort of distress. As we see in Second Chronicles, it begins with a man of God preaching to the king, and he gives a sermon. In verse seven, take, but you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Nothing entices a man to work harder to know that he will be rewarded. So Asa takes up reform as the prophet of God comes and speaks on, the, on behalf of God. And verse number 8, as soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecies of Isaiah, the son of Oded, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the tribes that he had taken into the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the house of the Lord. In verse number 9, he gathered all of Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simon who resided with him for great numbers who, who deserted to him from Israel. And when they saw that the Lord, is, is his God, was with him. And they were gathered, in verse 10, at Jerusalem in the third month of the fourteenth year in the reign of Isaiah. A sacrifice to the Lord on that day from the spoil that had brought 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their hearts and with all their souls. But whatever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, should be put to death, whether young or old, man or woman. 
And they swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice and shouting with trumpets and horns. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and had sought Him with their whole desire. And He was found by them. And the Lord gave them rest all around. We see here that Asa begins his reign with a covenant with God. Maybe you're a couple of years into your life and maybe you have not started out this way. Whether you reign over your household or you reign over your family or it's just me, myself, and I at your own house. Maybe you didn't start out that way. But you begin here today to seek the Lord with your whole heart and make a covenant with Him because I want to let you know He has already made a covenant with you. And for those who are not familiar with blood covenants, if you can remember when you were younger, maybe if you grew up a little wild like me, you had a blood brother. You would cut your wrist or cut your hand and put your hand to their hand. And you might say, well, that's kind of gross. Well, that's what we did when we were young and wild. And we would shake hands and mingle our blood and be called blood brothers or blood sisters. There's even accounts in, in the world where they would take after the cut and put dirt into the hand and make a scar there to keep the hand infected just so you'll remember the blood covenant you made with somebody. The scar would remind you that I made a covenant with them. I made a promise to them. Church, do you not realize that there has been a covenant made with you and it's in the palm of Jesus' hands? I know in heaven there are no more tears, but there are a couple of scars. The hands of Jesus bear the scars of the covenant He has with you. He has made a covenant with you that He won't leave you or forsake you. He'll leave the 99 to find the one and you being the one. He will seek you out and find you and hold on to you because God is faithful. Amen. Amen. We see here that the people make a covenant with God. And God has already decided to bless Judah. He's already decided to bless Asa. And God has shown favor to Riverside and each individual member and attender that God will be faithful to you. He has already made the covenant and now you just need to acknowledge it and accept it and believe it. Because nowhere in the Bible do we see, uh, let Jesus into your heart. The calling of the gospel is this. Believe the gospel. Believe the, believe the covenant. Believe what God is. Just believe that and you're going to be all right. Amen, preacher. He said that all those who would not serve the Lord, neither young or old, will put to death. They're serious about this thing. They will not have any excuse not to serve the Lord. In verse 16, even make his mother... King Asa removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image of an Asherah. Asa cut down her image and crushed it and burned it in the brook Hudron. Imagine this untouchable woman now has been corrected by her grandson, King Asa. Many, many people say that Asa had to be at least 50 years old to come into position. No, that means he would be in the 80. No, I, I, I can't remember, but I know he wasn't very young, like a child, because imagine. He had to stand up to his queen mother. That means his grandmother. But she's been in position for over 20 years. This is not something that we should take lightly. Because if we compare Solomon and we compare Asa to each other, I want to let you know that Solomon, his wife was Naamah. 
the, the Ammonite. In 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 21, Now Rehoboam the son of Solomon reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city that the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, and put his name there. His mother's name was Nama the Ammonite. Now Solomon was captured by the harem that he created. He had over so many hundreds of wives and so many concubines, but his heart was captured away by the foreign women. And in his old age, even in his wisdom, his heart was not wholly true to God. And he ended up serving other gods. Now, Micah, the daughter of Absalom, Rehoboam's wife, also Abijah's mother, or Abijah's mother, and we see it in 2 Chronicles chapter 11, 21-22, Rehoboam loved Micah, the daughter of Absalom, above all his wives and concubines. And he took 18 wives and six, 16 concubines and fathered 28 sons and 60 daughters. And Rehoboam appointed Abijah, the son of Micah, his chief priest among his brothers, and he attended to make him king. Uh, Solomon versus Asa. Solomon bent over backwards to build the shrines for all the women that he was being captured by. Uh, But Asa tore down the most prominent woman of his time, tore down her idol and burned it in her presence and removed her from office. Even though Solomon was wise in all his understanding, he he was one who wrote many proverbs, Asa was weak. However, it took God to give him a backbone to make him brave and strong. Amen. That it's just true that God will choose the weak things of the world to confound the wise, to make them confused, that He can take the least and make them the greatest. It's God every time. I, I want to know, I want you to know that in Deuteronomy 13, 6 through 8, that the command of God is this: if your brother the son of your mother or your son or your daughter or the wife you embrace or your friend who is as your own soul entices you secretly saying, let us go and serve other gods which neither you nor your fathers have known. Some of the gods of the people who are around you, whether near you or far off from you, from one end of the earth to the other, you shall not yield to him or listen to him, nor shall you, you I, your eye put pity on him. You shall not spare him nor conceal him. In fact, verse 9 says you should kill him. That mm. we should be serious about honoring God because God is serious about his honor. Did you know that Deuteronomy 4, verse 24 says, Our God is a jealous God, a consuming fire. Now we might say, well, that's... That's not very Christian-y to be jealous. No, no, no. Jealousy is not wrong. Let me explain why. I'm jealous for my wife because of my position in her life. Uh, All her affection should be towards me. If she goes on colluding with someone else or I'm colluding with someone else, she should be jealous of what I'm doing because of the position that we have in each other's lives. So God being jealous for His people is not sinful. It's a requirement. It shows that His love for His people is real. And we should be jealous for our God. We should be quick to run to Him and not to other gods. Not to lean on our own understanding and our own wit, our own talents and abilities and our own resources, but run to Him. We should be jealous for our God because He's certainly jealous for us. As we read that Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 36 to 38, whoever loves Father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. We see that Asa 
didn't do what Solomon did. Even though Solomon was strong and mighty in the eyes of the world, he became one of the most famous kings that ever lived. But Asa put his grandmother in check. said, no, you can't be in that position because you're not faithful to God. Solomon uh, wanted to make his borders strong. He wanted to make sure, uh, he made sure that his people were prosperous and he used those reasons to be a, to be a reason to be unfaithful to God. I want to let you know that even though Asa made this covenant in his latter years, it will seem like he's slipping, but I want to show you here where he's strong. In verse 16, we see that in verse 16, I mean chapter 16, verse number 1, in the 36 year reign of Asa, Basha the king of Israel went up against Judah and rebuilt Ramah. Now you notice we, we see here that it's already, it's already coming up that where we, where we were in 1 Kings. We, we see that he was building a, a toll bridge between north and south. And Asa's going to fail here. He's going to ask the king of Syria to help him out. Are you saying here that this reformer, that he, he just shows himself to be weak and feeble and he's not trusting God? There was a time when he did trust God and I didn't show it to you. It was in actually in 2 Chronicles 14. When Asa became the king, he actually goes up and I, I want you to look at verse number 8 of 2 Chronicles 14, number 8. We see that Asa has an army. Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah with large shields and spears and 280,000 from Benjamin that carried the shields and drew bows. All of these men were mighty men of valor. Now, he had a standing army. However, Zerah, the Ethiopian in verse number 9, came up against him with an army of a million men. Here we go again. He's outnumbered just like Abijah was. But what does Asa do? And Asa went out to meet him, and they drew up their lines of battle in the valley of Zarah of Morash. In verse 11, And Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord, your God, our God, for, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Let not man prevail against you. We see that Asa cries out to the Lord. Reminiscent to what the prophet told him. Draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to you. Is what we read in our text. Draw near to God and He will help you in a time of need. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace. That's what we read in Hebrews. The same is true of the king Asa. So he cries out. Lord, don't let this man prevail against you. We know that this Ethiopian was probably conjured up by the king of Egypt, which is also known to Pharaoh. If you remember, Rehoboam was under subject of the Pharaoh at that time. And it caused the nation to go bankrupt because he took all the gold shields and gave it to him to bribe him to leave him alone. And now we see that he has risen up such a massive army that the king of Egypt is trying to get this Ethiopian to do the dirty work so he can go in and subject Judah once again. But we see Asa crying out to God, Don't let man prevail against you. In verse 12, so the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued as far as Gerar, and the Ethiopians fell until none remained alive, for they were broken before the Lord and his army. The men of Judah carried away great, much spoil, and they attacked all the cities around Gerar. 
Then the fear of the Lord was upon them. They plundered all the cities, for there was much plunder in them. And they struck down the tents of those who had livestock and carried away sheep and the abundance and camels, and they returned to Jerusalem. Here we see that Asa had a great victory. One million soldiers were slaughtered by half a million that he had. And they had 300 chariots. And to understand, that's like an Apache helicopter today compared to foot soldiers. To have a chariot to run through the ranks and just level the enemy. They had 300. But God and His power and His might slaughters the Ethiopians. It doesn't say how. It doesn't say if there was earthquakes or if He just caused the men to be going to a blood rule and defeat anyone around them. All we know is that Asa gave credit to God because he cried unto the Lord. So he had a great victory. It also shows us that these people were nomadic. That means that everything they had was on their backs or on their camels because there was great spoil here. That this victory here cemented Asa. And he knew that God was on the throne. After this, we can know that he goes about 20 years of peace because he trusted in God. He secured his borders. And now he is he, he's safe within the confines of his, na- of, of his nation now. For one, we learned that the, the Ethiopian nation learned not to mess with their neighbors. But also Asa learned to trust in the Lord. That victories and losses can teach us something. And here Asa... He might not recover from the victory. That's usually what happens whenever we start to get prosperity under our belt and we get a little well off. We start to trust in our own means and believe that we can outsmart our our neighbors or, or even our rivals believing that we can trust in ourselves and our time and our talents and our own treasures and not trust in the God who opens His hands and feeds every living thing. In verse 15, I mean chapter 15, he starts the reforms. We've went over that. And now I want you to see in verse 6, chapter 16, the last days of Asa. You will think this man will be on a spiritual high for the next 40 years, knowing that God has defended him and kept him. Well, I want to let you know that the name Asa means physician. Well, how does that really matter, preacher? What's it matter that his name means physician? In his latter years, Asa. Even though he cried unto the Lord in 2 Chronicles 14, 11-12, in his later years, he didn't trust in the Lord quite as much, if not at all. I want to let you know that sometimes God lets us go through the valleys to afflict us and reform us and keep us. But it's always to correct us. It's never to destroy us. And here... Ace is going to be put to the fire again. Will he pass the test or will he fail it? Well, well, let's see. In verse number 2, And Asa took silver and gold from the treasury of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, who lived in Damascus, saying, There is a covenant between me and you. And there has been a, with my father and your father. Behold, I am sending you the silver and gold. Go break your covenant with Basha, king of Israel, that he might withdraw from me. And Basha listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they conquered Ijon, Dan, Abelman, and all the cities of Nephtali. And Basha heard of it and stopped building Ramah and let the work cease. I want to let you know that Syria is to the north of Israel and to the south of Israel, of course, is Judah. So Syria starts sending their armies down 
to the south, which is the northern Israel area. And it actually takes Dan. If you remember, Dan was one of the places where he put a shrine of one of the calves that were idols that Rehoboam put there and said, this is your God. But he loses all that and now he withdraws from the southern area as he tries to put that toll bridge or that, that highway toll there to keep people from going from the, from the northern nation down to the southern nation. So he withdraws there and he goes back home. And Basha heard of it and he stopped building Ramah and left his work cease. In verse 16, King Asa took all, took all Judah and his carried away the stones of Ramah and his timber and all Basha was building. And he built Geba and Mizpah. And at that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and Libya a huge army with the very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, He gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards Him. And you have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. Notice when His trust towards God ends, the prosperity ends. All the wealth that was meant for the house of the Lord was given to someone else. What does that mean? How do we make that practical, practical for us? When we don't trust God. Now don't get me wrong. You can have a doctor. You can have a psychiatrist. You can have someone you speak, sit down and you know, hash out things and talk to. You can have a therapist. You can have those things. You can have someone who's a nutritionist say, hey, you should eat this, you shouldn't do that. You can even have a trainer who helps you run. But we don't put our full confidence and trust in those things, but I put our trust in God, whether you have a physician or not. For we know that even in the New Testament, Luke is a physician. And he wrote the book of Luke and Acts. So God favorably looks upon physicians that we have them and we're blessed to have modern medicine. But we don't give credit to those things. We give credit where credit is due. We give it to God. Asa, at this point, stopped trusting in God and started leaning on politics and diplomatic means. So he sends a bribe. When God was fully able to slaughter the Ethiopians, he could have handled the border problems with his northern neighbors. It's true of you, Christian. Think about the last few years. Oh my goodness, we, one point Russia was going to bomb us. We had murder hornets, bazookas with bears and bears with bazookas. We had coronaviruses. We've had earthquakes. We've had blackouts, rolling blackouts. We've had supply chain problems. We had all these issues, yet we're still here. And our hope has not been shaken because we don't hope in those things. We hope in the Lord. We trust in God. If you have been trusting in your government for the last 50 years, your hope has been shaken and shattered and broken. In fact, you might be hopeless tonight. Because maybe your hope is in some kind of vaccine. Maybe your hope is in secure borders. Maybe your hope is in your tenacity and your, your abilities. I want you to put focus where focus really matters and putting on God. Trusting in God. Do not be like Asa. You can start out well and honor God and make a covenant with Him. But as you go along, you start trusting in yourself because prosperity poisons sometimes and you believe that you got there all by yourself. 
You got here, you paid all this off by yourself. Yeah, the house is doing okay. The babies ain't sick no more. And your spouse is acting right. You're doing good. Your credit report's better. I did all this. I did it all by myself. And God will come along and trip you up just to remind you that He is still God. Thank God for affliction. I tell you, I found God more in, more in the valley than I did on the mountaintop. It's good of God to afflict us, to remind us that He's faithful and we can trust Him. Asa failed this test. In verse 10, when Asa was angry with the seer and put him in the stocks in the prison, for he was in a rage, a rage with him because of this. And Asa inflicted cruelties upon some of the people at this same time. This faithful king now is mad at God and mad at his man. Mad at his messenger. So he put him in jail. Notice that's where it works. The trust in God is diminished. Then the prosperity goes with it. All that belonged to God, all that gave, all that God gave him is now took from him when he stopped trusting God. Now, either you're coming in a storm or you're coming out of a storm. That's where you are all the time. Either right now you're coming out of a, a tribulation or you're getting ready to go in one. And, and there's only two times to trust God, in the good times and in the bad. Trust God. At this point, Asa is mad at the seer. He's mad at the prophet because he told him the truth. That's a good thing about a good preacher. You can't be neutral about him. You can't, I can take him or leave him. He ain't that good then. Either you hate him or you hate your sin. Either you hate what he says about your sin or you hate him. Because he says what he says about your sin. And Asa afflicted cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. In verse 11, the act of Asa was from last, well, to the last were written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 30, 30th month year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet. And his disease became severe. Yet in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. His name means physicians. I guess, I guess it goes along a little like this, that sometimes people's name becomes synonymous with what they're known for. Asa was putting his hope in men. Would that be your legacy? Will you put your hope on anything on this side of glory? Would you trust in anything? Princes, kings, diplomats, senators, preachers, deacons, denomination. Will you trust in that more than you trust God? I, I'm just, let's put a finger on the pulse tonight. Do you trust God more than the news? Do you trust God more than CNN, MSNBC, Fox News? Do you trust God more than the senators? Do you trust God more than the preachers or the deacons or the congregation? Do you trust Him more than you even trust yourself? Do you trust your gut more? Your intuition? It's got you this far. Who will you trust today? Asa was trusting in physicians. There's nothing wrong. There's no sin to trust a physician. They, they go to school for years. They know what they're doing. Praise God. I'm thankful for them. But who has the final word of who lives and dies? It's God. So all we're looking at here is I know I'm not speaking to a room full of diplomats. This is not the United Nations. We're not worried about tribes and, and kingdoms here. We're worried about our own worlds and our own houses tonight. But well, what are you focusing on? Because what you decide will affect not only your household, but this congregation, this community at large, and ultimately the nation. So speaking to the nation begins here at our houses.
Who will you trust? Who will you believe? Are you mad at God because He might correct you? And you're like, I ain't going to listen. I'm going to do what I want. And trust in men to your own detriment tonight. Listen to the preacher. I know you want to put me in stocks and throw tomatoes at me. Maybe take off my head like John the Baptist. But listen to the man of God who's telling you to trust in the Lord. Trust in God Almighty. The Lord of hosts. Ain't got nobody on my side who's going to defend me. He's the Lord of hosts. Host is the phrase that they use for armies. The God of angel armies. He reigns over everything. All of creation. If He's on your side, you're in the majority. Amen. We see here that He got help. He sought help from physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers dying in the 41st year of his reign. And they buried him in the tomb that he had cut for himself the city of David. And they laid him on a Briar that had been filled with various kinds of spices prepared by the perfumer's art and they made a very great fire for his honor. What an honorable death. He, when, they, when they mean briar here, that means they put a bouquet of fragrant flowers around him to cover the stench of death. Many theologians and scholars say that the disease in the feet that he probably had was gout. I've had gout, and they call it the, 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 the king's disease. It hurts. It is very painful. Thanks be to God for modern medicine and, and doctors who help us control it. If we ate right, we wouldn't have to do that. But praise God for doctors. Amen. They, they help us. But I know how painful it is. He probably lost mobility. He probably had deformities in his feet. But he would not trust God. He lost his wealth. He lost the peace when he didn't trust God. Because it says they had wars. Before then, when he trusts God, he, he, had, he had prosperity and peace. I wonder, do you have peace today? Because that's a short, tall sign that you're His. Because that's a fruit of the Spirit. If we find it in Galatians, joy, peace, love, long-suffering, patience, and kindness. Do you have peace? I'm not saying that you ain't in a war. But you got peace even though you're in the war. Amen. Do you have peace today? He didn't have peace with the man of God nor with God because he was angry at the seer. You always can tell the relationship to the man of God to the person by the relationship between the person and God. Mm, you, you, you get what I'm saying? Your relationship to the man of God, the person who will speak the truth, the word of God. If you highly regard them, you, you highly regard what saith the Lord because these are not the man's opinion, it's the word of God. And if you hate him, you probably hate God. And you probably, most likely, without a shadow of a doubt, or not his. Asa failed later. But he learned that God is still sovereign even though he's king. Even though Asa is laying on a bed of perfume, he still died. And God is still reigning. Maybe today you're much like Asa and you're, you're unsteady. And you're, you're standing there and you've got to make a choice. Do I trust God? Even though he commands the nine not the assembly together, uh, gas is too high. You can make an excuse not to serve God. That's easy. But there's one excuse to serve God because he commands it and he's God and you are not. Maybe you're going through a battle. Maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're going through a hard time. Well, let me give you some encouragement here. Psalm 34 verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. What's that mean? Could you explain that that even our youngest could understand? God didn't promise it won't go rain. He just promised He'd be with you. How else would you grow if it don't rain? How else would you grow if it don't rain? 
He'll be faithful. Trust God. Trust Him in the depression. Trust Him in the loneliness. Trust Him in the rejection. Trust Him in the brokenness. Trust Him in the illness. Trust Him in the valley. Trust God. Hey man, I can't put it no planner in that. I mean, we could hand out coloring books now. At this point, you could draw it. Trust God. Let's bow our heads and pray.